So tell me, what's growing in your garden today? What's growing? Um, we just, our farm manager just harvested like a tree full of Satsuma oranges. We got two, uh, no, three baskets of Meyer lemons. Jermaine Jenkins taught herself how to bring good food from the good earth of the Shakur Cherokee neighborhood of North Charleston. There's sugar cane, um, assorted kale, mustards, some collards, like we got bananas in our trees still. She says she's helping cultivate the same knowledge for neighbors, students, or anyone who's rooted in the freedom that results from farming. There's a good bit of everything. That is amazing. So if we stop by Fresh Future Farm right now, we would have many options of what we could just pick off the vine. Right. Well, and well, we we saved your your arms from all the thorns on citrus trees, so we picked the citrus ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is the yeah. secret to your success? I think it's the loquats that we have that'll be ready in May. Um, and the elderberries also ready around the same time. You know, you know, we stuck them in the ground not knowing what to, what to expect. And now, you know, we have these like um, almost 10 foot trees that produce more than we can almost harvest. So we, we actually need to figure out right now an action plan to make preserves and all kinds of different products from those loquats when they come ready. Oh, that sounds absolutely delicious. I've never had a loquat. Can you describe what that is? Oh, let me tell you about loquat. It's like the cross between like a peach and a mango in a tiny little edible um, shell. It looks like a tiny little peach. And it's got two big seeds in the middle that are so beautiful. They could be like jewelry or earrings and stuff, but they easily produce another tree. Wow. And um, the tree itself, you know, we had some like Guatemalan visitors tell us that the leaves on the tree are used as a tea to treat the, um, type 2 diabetes. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a spectacle and it's the, the, one of the few trees that we have here that's evergreen. That is amazing. Jermaine, tell us about Fresh Future Farm. How large is it? Um, it is uh, 0.8 acres, so not even one full acre of space. We have fruit trees all around the edges, and in the last couple of years, um, we've added um, banana trees and sugar cane um, into the middle to create shade because we're, um, we're, we're real, real, real old school in that we don't have irrigation um, in use, so we use the shade from the fruit trees and wood chips as mulch to be able to grow a, a large variety of products on a very, very small space. Jermaine, do you often find people are surprised at what they can grow right here? I'm surprised at what we can grow right here. <laughs> so, yeah, we want to equip folks with the, the seeds, the soil, the containers even, if they need to be able to grow their own food where they live. And, and, and honestly, that's how Fresh Future Farm started. And how did you find this little plot of land? I wanted there to be a place in North Charleston where there wasn't any grocery store where you can get the most nutrient-dense produce that you could get anywhere and like we'd be able to afford to sell it at, at prices that our customers could afford. Um, I went to the city of North Charleston with a zoning map and I'd, I'd taken a class 
um, on like what would be like the perfect environment for you to like have um, like we have a farm and a grocery store and we wanted to serve a community and offer like sliding scale prices but also have like enough customers like who are passing through the neighborhood to be able to come and shop so that we could op- offer the subsidy to our neighbors so I went into North Charleston with a zoning map and said, like, I wanted to be close to the bus. I want to be close to the schools, blah, 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 blah. They looked at all of the properties that they have and um, and selected this one. Jermaine, a lot of people refer to areas as food deserts, places where it's difficult to find fresh produce and groceries, that it's really not in walking distance for a lot of people, food deserts. Right. But you've actually mm-hmm. called some areas um, you've described it as food apartheid. And what do you mean by that? It's it's not a coincidence that like black, brown, and predominantly like low wealth communities across the country um, like have the same like unfortunate circumstances that we do around um, not being able to access high quality produce. And as a result, all of these communities have high um, incidences of. Um, High blood pressure, diabetes, all of these metabolic illnesses that wouldn't exist if they, if we had the same access to um, grocery stores that other people did. Can you hold on one second? Jermaine, you take your farming facts into the classroom as well. Yeah. Tell me more about how you are teaching children about farming. You know, you can ask my eldest. I don't think I ever really like truly grew up because I'm, I'm a kid when it comes to <laughs> to food and all. But you know, just all of these interesting facts that I've learned along the way, like through the internet and stuff. We um, get an opportunity through a, um, a Charleston County School District Farm to School grant to be able to talk um, about science and social studies through the lens of farming and like be able to also incorporate indigenous um, West African and Gullah stories into those conversations. So I think it's a, a super cool way to you know have kids like learn about like science and social studies, like talking about mushrooms in a science class or um, rice with social studies are really cool ways to um, approach those subjects. And and for like a kid like me who maybe like caught on real fast and was bored in school, I think this is a way for you, you to learn something that when you go home, you look at the food that's on your plate differently because you um, applied it to school. One of the things that you talked about, Jermaine, is the fact that you employ people in the community. Can you tell us more about that? Well, I'm intentional because I I know that my neighbors are smart enough to to you know like operate like a service that's for them, by them. So um, so you know we we've gotten gotten requests from across the country for people to work here, but the jobs are for folks that live in this community. And um, ideally, you know we're like learning on the job but a way for people in all different communities across the country to be able to support their own um, neighborhood like I said before like if the issue is there's not like high quality produce and not high quality jobs where you live then you can make both available um, through a farm and grocery store and that's exactly what you've done Mm -hmm. well we know where to find you and hopefully things will always be growing good for you 
I'm, I'm just happy for the opportunity. Absolutely. We'll come by and visit again, I promise. Thank you again for your time, Jermaine. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Let's Talk. Let's Talk is produced by David Dixon and Eric Johnson. I'm the host, Carolyn Murray. We welcome your comments and advice on our podcast, so please write a review and share the link with others. Thanks again for listening to Let's Talk. Goodbye until the next time.